Abstract Athlete Podcast, where art and sports collide. Welcome, everyone. Thank you all for listening to the Abstract Athlete Podcast. Remember to stop by our website, theabstractathlete.com and beginagaintoys.com to check out our new product line. And remember to listen to the other podcasts on the Abstract Athlete Network, the Abstract Doctors Podcast, and the Abstract Veterans Podcast. A reminder, if you have any questions or comments, please send it to info at theabstractathlete.com. Excited about the podcast today as I get to speak with artist, athlete, traumatic brain injury survivor, entrepreneur, and founder of TBI Thrivers, Beckett Johnson. Make sure to follow Beckett on Instagram at TBI Thrivers and go visit his website, tbithrivers.com. Let's welcome Beckett Johnson. What's up? Living the damn dream, man. <laughs> How are you? I'm all right. I'm hanging in there. You know, I wish I was living the damn dream. You're, you're in the mo- <laughs> wait a minute. You're in Phoenix, so you're in the monsoon season now, right? Yeah, well, technically, it's supposed to be over by now. Oh. But yes, we've had yeah, we've had we've had rain actually the last two days. Now that you bring that up, so yes, now exactly my, where I am. My sis actually lives out in. Surprise? Is that the name? Yeah, Surprise. Mm-hmm. I always get confused. We do stuff with, with the Florida Panthers, and they're in Sunrise. She's in, and that's in Sunrise, Florida, that is. And then she's in Surprise, Arizona. And then, obviously, like I told you before, we do some stuff. Um, we've, we've had exhibitions out there and blah, blah, blah. So, But anyways, thank you, dude. Like, um, I've already started recording. I always start right, bam. <laughs> just We don't mess around here. Um, but, like... Uh, Thank you for doing this. Like it's, it's always cool to me. You know, we met on Instagram and I believe you just started following. I can't even remember how the whole situation happened, but you know, and then I, like, I always kind of like when people follow us or like start liking posts, I kind of go into their, their, uh, information and see what's going on. And I was like, Oh, this dude's like really pretty fascinating. Like, and I definitely want to get in like you, you're a, a traumatic brain, brain injury survivor. And now you've started, like you've done, you do multiple things with different organizations, but you've started this group called TBI Thrivers. That's like, right. You're the yeah. founder, I guess is the best yeah. way to say it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you've done stuff you like, you worked with, or you maybe continue to love your brain. Um, and sh- maybe this was just an article. Shout out Arizona was just an article. Um, but I, so I definitely, I want to get into like, you know, like what your personal situation was and then like what you're doing on the outside, like, because it really seems like you're starting to build a really cool, um, platform, I guess is the best way to say it in, in what you're doing and, and inspiring people and, you know, in some way, you know, and, and always showing them that it, you, it can happen because you're one that dealt with a traumatic brain or, I mean, I, you know, is it safe to say you still deal with it? Like, I don't even know how to say that. And, and yeah, yeah. The, the other, the other thing I want to say, is I think might've mentioned this, you know, we work with a TBI doctor here at Virginia Commonwealth where I teach. 
Um, if you ever wanted to talk to him or meet him, he's awesome. Like he is the most down to earth. You would never even know he's a doctor. <laughs> um, but he like, he's like one of the top brain doctors in the world. Like he's, it's, it's incredible. Like, um, and he's right here at the, at the university that I teach at. So it's kind of crazy. So, but thank you Beckett for doing this. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, man. Thank you for inviting me. And I did, I found you guys on IG and just, you know, I'm also an artist. So seeing that side, right, that you guys are doing it in the way you're bringing it around was just intriguing to me because I don't, you don't see a lot of that anymore. Right. Or you don't even see anybody that's really correlating with that, you know, especially with sports. People don't put creativity anywhere in the healing journey, although it's a huge part of it. So it's amazing. And I appreciate that because it's, it, it needs to be out there and it's something we even deal with in my own group. Well, it's, it's, I always think it's interesting that, I mean, all of us are creative. We just, I mean, you know, we all started out yeah. creative, like as kids and blah, blah, and it's just most people stop. And I've said this before on the podcast, and I say this to my students a lot, because I deal with a lot, of, not a lot, but I, well, a lot of student athletes that are also international students. And I think other parts of the world, you know, Europe, for instance, Central America, South America, there's a different kind of respect for creativity here. Unfortunately in the United States, it's like it falls into the monetary thing and it also falls into you not really doing anything. And it's like, that's not, none of those are true. Like creativity is something that I think is a journey. It's something like athletics is a practice. It's, it's something, it doesn't have to be like your job but to do something creative every day, I think is absolutely important. It's something that I preach to people all the time. It's like, I mean, it's just good for us. I mean, you deal, you know, I, you know, like one of the first things, sorry to ramble, but one of the first no, things that when Chris and I started this business, one of the first things we were talking about was, was CTE, like does creativity, like regenerate the brain you know it was kind of hypothetical in our heads we were but it was like that was kind of the 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 springboard of where the abstract athlete came from as we were like really kind of bouncing these ideas of we obviously know that creativity is therapeutic and i mean i hate that phrase art therapy like i just i hate that it's it's redundant to me like i just i don't know why but it's a personal thing i guess but it, it but it it is therapeutic and like to me is like if you if you start at a young age doing something creative every day like you would physically work out and get it into being like a ritual a habit like just those highs and lows of life will diminish in some capacity because you're going to know it's like oh I always feel better when I do something creative like if I'm having a bad day I'm just going to go sit down and whatever your creative outlet is do it you know well, and I think the part of that too is right. People don't realize you're creating, we're creating our lives every day, mm-hmm. every day. So, you know what I mean? Like people, I hear that all the time. I'm not creative. I can't do that. I'm like, but you are, you just may not have it. You know what? You may not know what outlet you're doing or what one calls to you. You know, for me, it's painting, but it changes. You know, now I want to learn woodworking. Why? I don't know. It's just calling to me. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's it's one of those things, and I think people forget that. And I think especially when you have a brain injury, you're kind of thrown into that mess of 
how do I now reinvent myself and recreate my life? Because it's drastically changed. So you are creative. It's just in a different outlet. When people don't so, see that. And I what, think when you put it that way, they kind of like it better. Do you mind me asking, like, what, what was your, like, how, how did your injury occur? Oh yeah. No, I don't mind. Okay. I, I don't have any, I don't have any memory of the actual injury itself. Okay. Um, I, and they've told me, you know, doctors have told me, don't try to, or you're going to have PTSD, but I was yeah. told I had friends there, you know, and basically long story short, I was getting into Charlotte, North Carolina um, I had lived there for several years and I was coming in, I was living up in Calgary, actually, Alberta for a year. Oh, wow. And I was coming back to Charlotte to get, you know, my stuff out of storage to stay at my friend's house. My best friend showed up. Hadn't seen her in a long time. Jumped on the back of her pickup truck. Why? I don't know. I guess we were goofing off. She gunned it. I flew off the back. And they said you could hear my head, you know, hit the pavement and just, you know, from there it was a closed wound basilar skull fracture and they rushed me to the er and i was in icu that night with yep. like a one percent chance of survival Oof, geez yeah and and when that was in 2016 right is that read that 2014 14? okay yeah. okay yeah i, I dates <laughs> yeah I hear it. no and you know what and it's funny you ask any brain injury survivor they all can tell you the date of their injury mm-hmm. everyone without it's like a you know, now I use it as like a second birthday. I celebrate that, but a lot of survivors aren't there yet. So, you know, yep. I get some backlash on that and be able to like, I'm not, I'm not celebrating. I'm like, get it. You know, this was a journey for me. But if you ask any survivor, they all know their day. Yeah. No. And I think that's what's, what I found like really interesting in, in doing the, the research and, and like what your kind of journey is and is this kind of rebirth, like what you just said. And, and kind of like a, a second life and, and, but a lot of people wouldn't, I don't want to say have that give back component. Like what was the, the kind of reason behind, like the journey you've taken has been kind of this journey for others as well. Like there it's, it's, um, and I, I, I really appreciate that because it's, it's a very giving thing. You know, it's not that other people aren't willing to give back or whatever, but like, it's almost like you're dedicated to this, to other people's journeys. And, and I think that's pretty fascinating. Yeah. For me, I think it was because, you know, I didn't have healthcare coverage when it happened. So I was kind of, you know, I was in the hospital four days. They pretty much kicked me out. I still didn't have my memory. I didn't know what year it was. I didn't, I don't, I have flashes of the hospital. And I think, you know, I look back at that moment and think if I didn't have family, if I didn't have friends, I would probably would be homeless. You know, I mean, I didn't even need to, I didn't know to eat or, you know what I mean? Basic functions. I didn't know, comp, my brain didn't work to say you need to eat now or, you know, you need to do this. And I think for me, it was just a whole journey of trying to figure this out on my own and how do I heal and what is a brain injury and, and nobody knew and, and everybody, you know, that I kind of thought would be there wasn't because they had their own trauma of the incident that they were dealing with. And so it became a passion of mine to understand and realize that if I can help one other survivor not go through what I went through, then, then that was, that was it for me. You know what I mean? It was like, it was so, it's such an isolating and difficult journey. And most people, even the doctors don't really know because we're all different. Yep. There's not one that they can compare it to. Right. So I, I can't tell you, you know, a couple neuros are like, I'm going to learn more from you than you're going to learn from me. And I was like, well, what the, 
<laughs> I mean, like, yeah. what do I do with that? You know what I mean? Like, you're supposed to be the expert. You're supposed to be the one that says, hey, this is way." And yet I didn't have any of that. It was like, good luck. Yeah. And I can't tell you how many times I heard that. It was just like, good luck. Good luck on this journey. I was like, damn. Yeah, that's wild. I mean, that's, I mean, you know, it's all, it's all, I, I want to compare it to like COVID, like in the sense that everybody has a different re reaction to it. And like, that's, I don't know. It's hard. Like I, I always give my, my friend, my, the doctor we work with, um, his doctor Sifu, Dave Sifu. And you know, I've had multiple concussions from, from playing sports growing up. And I remember I had a really act, this wasn't a sports related concussion, but I had a really bad concussion in Richmond. This is the stupidest. This is typical, stupid me. I was doing some work and I'm seriously, I was doing some work in the back of this is an apartment. I, the first apartment I moved to when I moved to Richmond and I was downstairs in the back and there's this steel staircase and I was, and I bent down to pick something up and I stood up and hit my head on this steel thing and, and it almost knocked me out. And I remember going like kind of just like wobbling for a second and I didn't feel any pain and I just go, Oh shit. Because I knew like I went, I like went past the pain on the hit and went to ended up going to this girl I was dating at the time ended up taking me to the hospital and they're all telling me, and you've probably heard this, like if you've had concussions or whatever, I don't know if they do this for traumatic brain injuries, but they, they don't want you to go to sleep and they want you to, you know, and the doctor told me, he's like, no, that's actually, it's actually bullshit. Like the best thing you yeah. can do is sleep. Cause, and, and one of the really good things you can do is being creative because you're starting to get your brain back into that operation and, and it's not heavy lifting. It's, you know, it's, but it's just interesting. Like you, it just rang a bell with me when you were talking about nobody knows. And it's just like, it's, it's weird that we are at that state still in some ways, you know? Oh, it is. Especially since so many people have, I mean, I forget the statistics of brain injury and concussions, you know, and now they're kind of grouping them together where they used to separate them, right? Concussion wasn't a brain injury, whatever, but they're showing now, yeah, that's not true. Yeah. It is. It may just be a different severity, which I agree. I, you know, I don't, I don't care. You know, just like I tell people in my group, I don't care how you got your brain injury, but our journey is all the same. Yep. And the, and the reality is, I mean, I know it, it may seem stupid to you, but the majority of people, that's how they end up with concussions and stuff. It's yep. something random. I mean, I know somebody that, was bending down in their kitchen in their rolling pin they were doing baking fell off the counter whacked them in the head yep. right and and now they've had this brain injury this concussion that's causing you know memory issues and brain fog and everything else so you know it, it, and people will tell me that too well my journey wasn't as traumatic as yours as if that lessens it and i always tell people that doesn't matter i, I don't care how you got it yep. that you know my, i don't get a gold star because mine was ridiculously you know <laughs> Bigger than Put yours. Check you mark I mean? next like, to mine. Yeah. Right. Like if anything, that you know, people probably look at me and go, like, I got asked the question, why were you using a pickup truck as a skateboard? I don't know. I don't know why I was doing it. You know, obviously it was a stupid decision yep. that led to a drastic change in my life, you know. But I think depending on the level and where you're at is where you're reinventing your life. And for me, it was a total wipe. You know what I mean? It was just a total wipe. But People will say, what does it feel like? I said, take your, take your life at the age of 41 and wipe it completely clean. Your identity, what you do for work, at, you know, social life, your really everything, just wipe it all clean and now start over. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's just wild. That's a movie. Like in some ways, it's just like that, that idea of, 
you know, like, like a computer taking away all the memory and gone and yeah, starting from scratch. Yeah, 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 exactly. And you gotta, you know, and luckily for me, I had the memory issues with short term. So I played a lot of I spy to your, to your, you know, to your benefit saying yeah. simplicity and creativity, you know, people would think I spy is like a kid's game, but it was a way to teach my brain, right? I couldn't remember the name of the word pen. Yeah. So, you know, I had to figure out and describe it and yeah. to teach my brain to kind of get around those neural pathways and rebuild and, and get back to working because, you know, they thought the brain was damaged, you're done. But now, you know, we're all proving that's that's not true. It can regenerate. Yeah, that's why. So, I like, explain, like, the kind of the journey for the TBI survivors. Like, again, like I mentioned, and I don't know if you still work for love your brain or, or what that, that relationship is or, but how did, how did you get, or what, what was the, the, the starting point for the TBI survivors? So like, just, so you were in okay. North Carolina, now you're out in Phoenix or outside Phoenix. of Phoenix. So like, yeah. but explain, explain kind of the, how this all started, I guess. Um, it really just started with, you know, me and I wasn't, you know, at the time when I was released from the hospital, I had 15 minutes. I was allowed 15 minutes of stimulation a day. And people think, oh, wow. Okay. But that's lights. That's conversation. That's TV. That's any, anything that stimulates your brain. I was only allowed 15 minutes a day. The rest of the time I was sleeping. Um, and, and that's just, my brain just needed the rest, you know, and I had a lot of pain. And so they had to trick some of the nerves in my, cause they wouldn't put me on anything because, because of the pain, you know, they were told me I had to deal with it. So anyways, I, I just, I did probably what I shouldn't do, but I was the only one that was taking care of me. So it was like, I just got on the computer and I started Googling like brain injury, right? Like I even went to bookstores. I couldn't find any books on it at the time. Nobody, you know, the movie concussion wasn't out. Like nobody was talking about it. I'm like, how can, it, how can this be such a big deal? And nobody, there's nothing out there. So I had found love your brain um, randomly uh, about yoga and, and brain injury. And I, at the time I was like, I don't care about yoga. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just care that, you know, something about brain injury and maybe you can help me because I don't know where to go or what to do with this. Like I didn't have a team as I should have because I didn't have medical coverage. They yep. just kind of let me go. So I reached out to them and they pretty much said, you know, they were only in their second year of being around. So they were fairly new. And the woman at the time, she no longer works for them was running the retreat and said, Hey, we have this, this retreat at the time they were calling it a camp. Um, you should apply for it. And I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. You know what I mean? And she's like, it's this, you know, seven day thing in Vermont. You can come for free. We help kind of help you navigate, you know, but we take applications. So anyways, long story short, I fill out the application. I didn't know how I was going to get there because I was in Charlotte. This was up in Vermont. You know, I shouldn't be driving. That was off the, you know, records or whatever at that time. So I applied anyways, because I'm like, you know what, this is all I got. This is the only lead I have on this journey. And so luckily I got accepted. She brought me in. I figured it. I drove and, and, you know, stopped at hotels as often as I could. My parents, my, I grew up in Buffalo. So my family was there. So I went and stayed with them and then went from, you know, there over to the retreat in um, Burlington and spent, you know, five, seven days at the time with other brain injury survivors. So that was the start of it. And that was what really helped me, you know, A, be around people who get it. Yep. You know what I mean? That was alone, this huge weight of, we feel so isolated with brain injury, but you walk in this room and I didn't have to explain anything. I didn't have to explain why I needed rest or I couldn't really understand because everybody there got it. 
you know, they just understood and were like, yeah, we see you. And, it, and so you kind of see your reflection back and go, okay, maybe I can do this. And it was actually that retreat that one of their speech therapists at the time, I went to the kitchen to get breakfast and she came down and she said, you know, we were all talking about you. And I was like, okay. <laughs> you know, <laughs> she's like, out of the, at the time she goes out of the 25 survivors and caregivers that are here. She's like, you're the only one that has never had a medical team help you. And you're the only, you're not only trying to heal from your brain injury, but you're also your own caregiver. And we don't understand how you're doing it. You know, and I, I, to me, it was just pure, honestly, what drove me was, you know, I had a 1% chance of death and I didn't die. So obviously I'm here for a reason. So I'm just going to figure this out the best way I can do this and, and move forward. And she ended up taking me in on her own and working with me and getting me brain, you know, memory books and, and working with me on the side to just give me help to kind of navigate that. So I ended up going to, at the time, Love Your Brain would invite us back to see if what they were doing was working. So I went back there three years as a survivor, you know, and we kind of, you know, those are my friends that we kind of all went through this together. And then I kind of moved up to an ambassador and a mentor and then ran some workshops and facilitated and then I kind of broke off and did my own thing and created my group and worked with another brain injury group in New York called Bridges for Brain Injury and started doing some you know program work with them so that was kind of that was the beginning and that was what set me in the course of at least being around people who a understood what brain injury was you know Kevin Pierce big snowboarder professional snowboarder right he was a big part of the program I think when I went there Kevin I met him he was at year six maybe out from his injury, you know, he was still dealing with a lot of stuff um, and he was pretty active in the retreats at that time. So, you know, they were just kind of throwing stuff at us to see what worked, what didn't, you know, everything from mindfulness to meditation to, to art therapy, to music therapy, to, you know, you name it, we tried it. And it was like, okay, is this helping? Is this not? Does this work? Is it not, you know, from bringing Reiki into massages, you know, every, Anything and everything was kind of like, we're going to just kind of throw this stuff at you and see if this stuff is helping and then, you know, see as they go. And now they've got it nailed down to know what works and what is helping. And I'm assuming that all the creative stuff did work and the mindfulness, like all those things, like, again, it's just, it's, it's fascinating to me that people don't understand the power of that stuff. You know, I mean, was it oh, I, like, yeah. and going back to like, this, this is a, were you doing, were you doing creative things beforehand? Yeah, I was okay. an artist beforehand. Oh, cool. So I had, yeah, I was doing art shows. You know, I had a lot of art up in like, you know, art shows in Canada. Like I had been doing art for a good while. And actually what was interesting to me was I was afraid, am I going to still be able to be creative? I don't know what's going on with my brain. And and at the time I couldn't really paint because the colors, the colors were too much for my brain. You know, it just couldn't handle it. So I, I, you know, at the time I ended up having to move back in with my parents or whatever, but my mom bought me coloring books, you know, that we, and I would use that to just kind of color. And it was a meditation for me because they were very particular, you know, kind of meditative coloring books. And so, you know, when I learned at the retreat, like we would start off with yoga and meditation, we would have silent meals because they also brought in a brain nutritionist who brought in brain food. And this is why you're eating this food. And this is what it's doing to help your brain. So it was a whole mind body connection, right? To understanding that this stuff can help your brain and yoga, even though initially I wasn't (laughs) interested in it, it did help you to focus, you know, and my brain would race. You know what I mean? It just would race. I would fall asleep, but then I would wake up at one or two. So I had to retrain my brain to sleep. 
Oh, jeez. You know, and that, yeah, I mean, it took me five years. I mean, they tried giving me like, you know, an antidepressant and none of that worked. And it was like, okay, I've just got to start a routine and start, you know, everything I had learned from being at the retreats and other programs was if you can start a routine, right. And working with your brain, it's going to start to, to realize, okay, this is downtime now. Right. So it took me five years before I could sleep like eight hours. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So, okay. So then you, you started TBI Thrivers within the last two years. Is that? Yeah. I started TBI Thrivers um, right before COVID, which okay. was kind of two right. That kind of pivoted everybody yeah. to, to online. And, and a lot of the, I was doing mindset programs for love your brain online. And a lot of the, there was nothing to follow up past that. Right. There was, it was kind of like this intro to stuff, but then people were like, well, now what? And I was there too. It was like, well, now what? And so I was like, well, I'll just create it. Right. This is the now what, you know, I'll create that next level and give them tools. And so I started TBI thrivers and, you know, it was, it was nerve wracking. I thought, is anybody even going to show up? You know, is this going to work? But it did. And it, it, people were looking for community Yeah. because when COVID hit, they couldn't do that. And what funny thing is I used to tell people, now everybody knows what it's like to bring a brain injury survivor now that they've gone through COVID. Cause it's similar. You know, we couldn't go, you can't go anywhere. You kind of end up staying, except you go through it alone. Whereas everybody was going through it together, but you're home a lot. You're very isolated because you can only do so much so long. You know what I mean? You're kind of locked at home and you got to try to figure and navigate. How can I do that? Because sometimes, you know, being out there. And like I said, if I would have had a 10 minute conversation with you, I don't know, six years ago, I would have been in bed for five days. Right. Wow. Yeah. I'm trying to develop this question in my head, like thinking, (laughs) thinking about, um, there's like, in your case, there's like this, I don't want to say interesting, but there's this kind of thread to me about like mental wellness and TBI. And that was because of the situation you're, I'm not connecting the two necessarily with brain injury and, and mental health, but like, because you were kind of thrown into this with no, no insurance and they were just kicking you out, like on top of the fact that you're having like brain injury issues, like there had to be like a mental health component oh. to that. Or maybe you didn't even know, like, I mean, but I, I mean, there had to be there, like, which is, you know, like, you know, like it's, I've seen, you know, on your, on your sites and stuff, this, the word survivor. And, and to be honest with you, like, I think about it in multi ways. Like, I think it like you're a true survivor because you didn't have much of a chance to actually physically live for one. And, and then you're a survivor in the sense that you were kind of like, left alone and then you did have to deal with like mental health scenarios the real world what however you want to say it and and i mean is that like do you talk about like mental health issues within that i mean do you see like this real big connection between the two yeah there i mean that's statistics and there's facts and that's something and that's another one of my passions because a lot of the brain injury groups won't touch it Mm-hmm. And, you know, brain injury survivors have a high suicide rate. Right. That's, it's like something like 44%, 41%. It's high. Wow. And, you know, I understand why. Um, it's very isolating. And, you know, it's something I fought for 
with many of the organizations and again they don't you know a lot of them don't want to touch it and it's like listen but if we don't deal with the elephant in the room right we can't help people then you're not really helping people because we all go through it i don't know one survivor i went through a very deep depression um you know i lost my taste and smell i can't taste or smell anything except for berries and i lost 90 percent of my hearing in my my left ear so i wear a hearing aid and you know, there was just this depression upon, you know, I would say about my third year, there's this emotional journey I went through. And, you know, luckily I found a therapist who understood it. And, but again, I didn't have the finances and she ended up really seeing me for free for a year and doing EMDR therapy with me. And and I had many of stories of that, of without these people, I would not be where I am. You know what I mean? And, but it was the constant search and in the mental health issue, I knew all I would do it took everything for me to get out of bed, you know, and at the time I was living with my parents and they were concerned and, you know, my mom would even look back and be like, well, you didn't really want to do much. I said, listen, you don't understand how much I was struggling just to get out of bed. Yep. And I would go to my part-time job that I was doing at the time and I would come home and that was it. And I couldn't handle anything else. And it was like, I don't know how to get through this. Like, I felt like I was in this dark tunnel and there's, I'm never going to get through this. Like, I'm never going to get over this. And it, Every survivor I know has gone through it. It's something I deal with in my group. It's something that I try to talk the most about because it's kind of this, I don't know, taboo topic. Nobody wants to touch, even though they know that just happens. It's crazy to me because like, obviously like the topic of mental health is very out there now. Thank God. You know, like we, people are willing to talk about it and, you know, it's, it's not a, it's not a weakness any, you know, like when I was growing up, like you didn't talk about shit, you know, and I talk about to a lot of former professional football players or athletes, like, you know, that were grew up back then. And it's like, no, you're supposed to be a tough guy. You can't like show weakness. I mean, I like, again, going back to this, I remember having a concussion in a football game well, I don't remember it. I should say that. And I remember the bus ride home and I'm, and, and I went to the doctor that next week and it was like, he didn't want me to practice like on Monday or something. And I remember the coaches like almost like giving me shit and it's like, this is high school football. And it's, you know, and that, that, that kind of stigma. And so it's weird to me that in, in, in a TBI kind of group that there would be no discussion of that. Like, because it's like you're forced into this space because of an accident and, and in your case, having no real help, like, I mean, we all deal with mental health issues, all of us, but like, that's like, that's almost like, again, like, it's just like, you know, you're pushing, people are pushing down on you. Like, that's, that's wild to me. Like, I'm glad that you or at the forefront of talking about it in, in that space then, because I think yeah, it's needed. It's, oh, it's so needed. And you know, there's great neurotherapists out there who are screaming the same thing. You know what I mean? But when you, you know, and they want to talk, here's the thing. They want to talk about mindset, but they only want to talk about the positive side of mindset. Think positively, use affirmation. And I'm not all saying all those things don't help. You know what I mean? But the reality is, and, and I, I told my therapist this, I knew I needed therapy because I knew all the right things to do, right? I knew to, to think positive and none of it worked. I would have told you F off. That's not helping me, right? That's not helping me navigate this journey. Like I'm in these dark waters. How do I swim? 
Like, I feel like, and that's what I told my therapist when I went to her, I said, listen, I feel like I'm treading water and I'm this close to drowning and I can't do it anymore. Like I, I, I can't, I don't, I don't care what I have to do. You tell me, I just don't want to feel like this anymore. And she looked right at me and she said, okay, then drown. And I looked at her. I was like, what? And, but she was right. What she was saying is surrender. I'm here right? I'm going to be with you and I'm not going to let you get down. We're going to work through this. You know what I mean? But you've got to let go because you're living in survivor mode and we're not meant to live there. You know what I mean? And it was, I mean, I know I I get it when I used to play soccer, you know, I I had my knee run through and my coach was like on my ass because I wasn't back in the game. And my knee was like three times the size it was. I I was like, are you kidding me? I can barely walk. And they're like, yeah, we don't care. Get it. I mean, it was, I, I have I have many of those stories myself, man. Like it's The Abstract Athlete is sponsored by and in partnership with Begin Again Toys. Begin Again Toys is an eco-friendly and educational toy company focused on sustainable ways to explore and play with a goal to inspire children with stories of innovation, adventure, and good old-fashioned fun. For more information, visit beginagaintoys.com. I and I don't know if it's I don't know if it's different, like and you know, in the world today with with athletes, if if uh, I think it is, but I'm not there, so I I still think you know I I I don't have a problem with a coach being tough, like you. I mean, I think right. to be mentally tough is a is a strength, but at yeah. the same time, like understanding when somebody's physically hurt you know like you gotta move on like you can't be throwing kids back in the games like they're not playing games with that because that that that's like a a pattern and a cycle of of getting somebody into a mentally bad space i mean that's i don't know Oh, well, yeah. And you're, well, you're teaching people and that's the worst thing you can do with a brain injury, right? You can't power through this. No, you can't. There's no powering through that. And I know, like I have my, I have two nephews, you know, one plays football, you know, and he's in the other one, he likes lacrosse and the other one's into all kinds of sports, you know, baseball, running, all that. And so, yeah, as being somebody who's had a brain injury, I'm always concerned for them because, yeah. you know, I, I know what it, it takes at one moment. It takes, you know, or that multiple hits or, you know, I'm sure there was many times that I had concussions playing soccer, but oh, I wasn't sure. called that back then. They actually you know say I mean? that like, soccer is the is the highest concussive sport. It's bigger oh, than sure. football, that which is a little surprising to me. But it's like, wow, like that's that's pretty that's pretty wild. Well, every time you're going to hit the ball yeah. with your head, or, yeah. you know what I mean. And I know now, I think they've taken that away, where they don't want you doing, you know, hitting it with your head and stuff. But it just, I mean, it's a it's a tough sport, and I yep. think people just don't realize. And I and I. To me, that's the concern I have with the public and trying to educate and be out there as much as I have is how much these things drastically change your life and right. and do create this mental health issue that nobody wants to talk about. You know what I mean? And it's like, why? Okay, you have to listen to the statistics and go, why is there a high suicide rate? Yeah. You know what I mean? Why are these people who have survived something so unbelievable and I know why, because you feel like you're trying to figure it out on your own. Even the medical community doesn't really know. And I'm not saying there aren't good ones. There are, but they're hard to find. Yep. You know, they just write you off or they're just like, yeah, okay. I mean, I remember when I went back to my neuro in Charlotte and I was like, listen, I'm having all this head pain. They wanted to test me for diabetes and anemia. 
<laughs> and I looked at him, I'm like, I cracked the toughest part of my skull. <laughs> like, I'm not diametic. And I'm like, that's it. I'm done. I'm not coming back here. Uh, you know, I was paying out of pocket. And they're like, well, to be honest. Want to check your ACL, saying. make sure that your knee's okay. And <laughs> Right. And at that point, they're like, well, we just don't know what else to do with you. And I'm like, okay, then I'm done here. Yep. Right. So if you can't go there, where do you go? And so the only thing that's left are groups that are hopefully going to be able to give you answers and help you through it. And even that is far and few between because they don't really know. You know what I mean? They're trying and it's it's a tough industry right now, but it's getting more exposure. And I'm happy for that because yep. you're seeing more survivors start to speak out and, and, and do things even like that you guys are doing. It's bringing more awareness to what is the reality of this journey. I mean, it's all different for every one of us. Yep. I'm not going to say I can speak for everybody. Well, and I think, you, you know? know, what we try to do, uh, you know, we're, a lot of what we're, ours is more like in the mental health space than yes. like, but, but I think that there's, you know, like, like you're just talking about is there is definitely crossover. And it's like, for me, it's like awareness that we all deal with mental health stuff. And it's, it's like, here's something, you know, creativity or physically exercising both those things are good for our well-being, And, you know, so when we work with a veteran or a, or an athlete or, you know, pro athlete, that's known, that's like, I always use Tony Mandrich who lives out near you, former, you know, well-known football player. And he's a, he's a beautiful photographer. Like, and for me, it's like this huge guy, he walks into a room, you know, he's a football player, like, or was right. a football player, but then you see his photographs and you, you know, like, and you can kind of engage with him like, wow. And for me, it's like, if this six foot four, six foot six, I can't remember how big, like guy can make these beautiful photographs, like it gives other people permission to be creative because it's like, again, there's that stereotype of, well, men aren't supposed to make beautiful things. Like, you know, it's like bullshit. Like, you know, and, right. and here's this guy that is bigger than all of you and he's doing these things. And to me, it's like that, it's a permission thing. And it's not just for kids. Like, obviously like we want to inspire kids because they're the next generation. And if they, if they become ritual or habited, and doing physically and creative things every day, they're going to have a better life just out of the nature of what these two things bring to us in our health and our mental health. But it's also for the adults. It's like, because again, like the adults are the ones, most of them are the ones that stopped being creative. You know, like they might exercise physically because, you know, we, again, like as society, we talk about being being creative or being physically active every day but we don't talk about being mentally active like this is a muscle everybody you know and and so it's it's just one of those things that i think is just interesting that um that we just don't um we don't talk i mean i think we're getting better at it i should say and you know again like people like you that you know you're coming at it from a different space in in terms of the yeah. traumatic brain injury side but talking about that in relation to mental health and, and again, you're, you're an artist and, and you, like you were doing it before this happened. And, and I assume you're doing it after and you like know the benefit of doing these creative things, you know, on a daily basis. It doesn't have to be like, I always say this, like, I'm not telling you you have to go into your studio or whatever and work for five hours a day, do it for 20 minutes. You know, right. it, it's, it's just one of those things that it, we don't allow people to be creative because, we, well, you have to go to work, you have to do, the, you know, and it's just like, I'm not saying this has to be your job. 
but this is something that's good for you. Right. And it's a practice. And I think that's what people don't realize. And it's your point, exactly that. And that's what I try to stress. Your brain is a muscle. Yep. And I don't care if you've had a brain injury or not. <clears throat> like you said, I remember watching my grandfather always do crossword puzzles and Sudoku puzzles, yep. you know, until he was 93. He was constantly, and he didn't do it for hours. <clears throat> you know what I mean? He might do it five, 10 minutes in the morning, whatever, whatever worked for him, but he was always working his brain. He was always building things or, you know, tiling things or in his workshop, like he was always doing something. And, you know, watching that and realizing that, and I do photography and I do videography and I went to school for that. I worked in the movies for yeah. eight years. Oh, cool. You know what I mean? So, yeah. So I, you know, I worked on movie sets and I've been, I've, I mean, creativity is a part of me, but I've seen it, you know, we do this mask program. A lot of survivors do it where they create a mask to represent their brain injury. And um, I know there's organizations now that mail them out and they actually take the masks once they're done and, and do like exhibits. So people learn about brain injury and what the survivors are going through. And I've had the, you know, good fortune of doing like three because, you know, at, at Love Your Brain, we would do it. And so I got to do three throughout the years and see how my mask would change, you know, because it was like, what is, what is this mask represent about your injury? You know yeah. what I mean? How, what are you hiding or what is it you want to speak? And there's some things that you just don't have words for that. That was always such a therapeutic you know, we'd make our masks, we'd decorate them, and then we'd all sit in a circle and share them. And I remember this caregiver one time, you know, the caregivers were there. You could have caregivers. She's a good friend of mine now. And she stood up and she created this mask. Like, you know, you do the plaster over everybody's face. We'd use each other's, our own faces, you know what I mean, to do it. Oh, you're really like making like... Yeah, okay. like we were really making okay. like you would I thought you maybe like paper or something like that. Okay. No, no, no. Like we had the plaster yep. with the water and yep. you'd lay down and put Vaseline all over your face and yep. then your partner would literally like yep. create your mask. Had the, had the so, straws up your nose and shit. Yeah. yeah, like you would keep this, yeah, <laughs> keep this, you know what I mean? So they tried and then they dry and then we'd, you know, we'd paint them or whatever you want to do. There was all, there was paper, there was, you know, stuff you could paste on there, whatever you wanted, you you created it. And then we sat and we would share why we created what we created. And it was always so emotional. You know what I mean? For so many. And even those, and I remember the guy in Vermont that, that owned the Zeno, they're a great organization. Um, he started crying when he would just hear our stories of why these masks were created. But the caregiver stood up and she was a good friend of mine. She took her mask and she stomped on it. Like she put it out there and she just smashed it. We're all like, <laughs> You know what I mean? Like you just, it just took us two days and you're just going to smash this thing. And she said, and it was one of the pivotal moments to all of us was, and it makes me teary even thinking about it, but she's like, I want you guys all to know that these masks don't define you. Yep. It's and they true, aren't, though. you know what I mean? Yep. Right. And even though you're feeling it and I honor it, understand that you can smash through this. And it just made like, it still makes me teary. You know what I mean? It was one of those moments for everybody to go, Okay, because as survivors, we're told all the time what we can't do. And that's something I do in my group is I try to celebrate what we can. You know, I tell them, like, let's do glory boarding. And they're like, well, I don't know what that is. And I'll give them a list of things that they've accomplished, things that they've done. Let's celebrate what you can do. No, well, you may not I, be able to do X, Y, or Z. I, I think it's the uh, optimism versus pessimism, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, and I'm, I'm, I, tend to teach or be in the world more of an optimistic person than than being pessimistic and i don't i don't knock people down to build them up i talk about the positives at this but yet give them like ways that they can be better but in an optimistic way because i 
and that that doesn't you know like you have to like you you've been you've said this multiple times like we're all different and that and and it's it takes more time to deal with an individual but it's more important to deal with an individual than it is group because we're not the same and so like i you know like like you're talking about is like when you're dealing with somebody that's dealing with traumatic brain injuries like the way that they're going to deal with it is different the way that you deal with it. And, and it sounds like you really truly do deal with an individual than a group, you know? And I think that's important because I, it also gives that individual the understanding that you care about them, you know? Oh yeah. And, and I think essential in my group and something I've tried and I, and I think I've been pretty successful at, which is, is why I've started is, is self-empowerment. You know what I mean? I always tell them when we share stuff is, listen, they may have worked for me, but it may not work for you. What I want you to feel good in, and and that's another thing people struggle with. And I hear, I don't trust myself anymore and I don't trust my brain, right? And so how do we rebuild that self-confidence? How do we reinvent that? And that's something we work on in our group. You know what I mean? And somebody asked me the other day, they said, what's the proudest moment that you've had with your group in the last two years? And I said, the proudest moment was I needed surgery. And two of them stepped up to facilitate who had never facilitated before to show up to keep the group going, even with me not being there. Like to me, and that made me teary, was like, that was my proudest moment. You know, and other people are like, what? I'm like, because it isn't about me. And I tell them that, you know what I mean? This isn't about me. This is our group, but this is about you guys showing up for you and each other and whatever that looks like. And what might work for somebody might not work for you. And that's okay. And it might not work now. It might work for later. You just gave, you just gave the platform. And that like, you know, that's what I, I would say that about the, what we're doing the same thing. It's like, this isn't about me. It's not about Chris. It's not even about the name of the abstract athlete per se. It's really about like giving that platform and letting people do their thing. Like, you know, and it's, I, I, I think we're just, we're kind of programmed that we're all well human beings are selfish we are um it's just a matter of what kind of selfishness you know like i'm right. selfish i'm selfish with my time i know this my ex-girlfriends know this um i mean it's just it's but i'm an i'm an artist i'm you know like and i don't it, it's not that i'm not giving but it's like i i also have to be selfish with my time in some ways or i can't do what I do. And, but again, like this whole thing, like, I, I love that you said that it's not about me. It's not about you. It's like, it's about all of us. And it's about like, you know, like lack of a better way to say it. it's about helping, you know? Yeah. And, and that is, you know, and that's it. And that's, and in, in the key, you're, it's interesting. You're saying that cause you're right. We all have to be selfish and especially a brain injury survivor. And something I talked to them about is we only have so much energy. Yep. Right. We wake up with a half a battery, whereas everybody else wakes up with a full. So, you know, I, we teach them boundaries and how do you navigate that and understand that sometimes you're going to have to be selfish and your self-care is going to have to overcome or overtake somebody else's request of you. Yep. And that's OK. You know what I mean? It's finding that balance. And I think, you know, in the group, that's why I tell them, like, if you need to turn off your video, if you need to take a break, go ahead. There's no judgment here. There's no, you know, I trust that you know what you need for you. I trust that you know that. So go ahead and do that. You know what I mean? And when you're ready, like they don't have to come every week. You can come drop in once a month. You can drop in once every six months. I don't care. We're always there. There's no judgment. You're always welcome because this is about us. And together, 
I've learned that we heal better together when we allow each other to show up as we are. Right. And, and so, you know, that's another big thing. I don't tell them what to do in the group. That's not something I do. I suggest and say, this is something I tried or they try. It's like a round table. It's like you're sitting at a table with a bunch of your friends and we're just talking about what's worked. And you might pick something up from that. And if you do try it, if you want more resources, great. We'll share them with you. And so I give them tools and stuff to do that. And I think that has been the key and the kind of the difference for my group versus the other groups. It's kind of that next level for them. This is, this is more of a personal question. Like, I assume you're still painting. I think you said earlier you are, you're still, and, and, um, and I, I I was just thinking this, I don't know why this came to, but what, like, what kind of painter are you abstract? Like, do you do? Yeah. Okay. I do more abstract and the medium changes. Depends. Depends. Right now I'm dealing with like alcohol inks. Before that, I was dealing with pouring medium before it became popular. Okay. Yeah. You know, stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. But I, I'm I'm curious, like, did 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 your work change from your from your brain injury? And and have you it's noticed really, it? Is it is it something that like you've like I don't want to say dealt with, but like something that you've kind of evaluated in 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 an in an interesting way, like that. I, you know, like they say there's certain things that happen like during brain injury, like that could like just change gears or something like, so I don't know why I thought about this, but it was just a curiosity thing, I guess. No, no, it's a good thing. It's funny. You asked that. I've had people say it did, you know, who have who've liked my work and look at my work. I think for me, my photography where I notice it, not so much maybe in my art, although Maybe, you know what I mean? But I, people who see it say, say there's definitely an energetic shift. Like your paintings are much different, very called to them. But I think for me, my photography has gotten better simply because, you know, you take away your taste and smell and half your hearing. Right. And so now I did a retreat in Vermont, a meditation retreat where I I didn't even know what I was signing up for. Quite honestly, had I probably wouldn't have. I did a dot. I think it's a Dothan. I'm probably saying it wrong, but it was an artistic meditation retreat. And you would meditate eight to 10 hours. And then they had like art programs like we would go. So they had you one instance, they had you pair up with somebody and we couldn't talk during this retreat. We were in noble silence. So you couldn't even speak to these other people yet. You had to communicate, which was fascinating. Um, but they had us pair up and they would take us around outside. There was in the, the mountains of Vermont and they would have you close your eyes and your partner would walk you somewhere, place your head somewhere and say, take a picture. And you were supposed to open your eyes and look at something and then close it again. And they were supposed to keep walking you around. And, you know, it made me realize and even talking to my mentor there, my meditation mentor, um, when we talked about talked because we couldn't talk. So we had to write <laughs> When I couldn't taste, she said, maybe now you enjoy food through visualization. Maybe it's a, it's a, you're tasting it with your eyes. You know, that's so I, I had to that's, learn. That's kind of where this question was evolved from is that different senses maybe have gone to different places, you know, like yeah. the, the, the awareness and, and whatever. And like, maybe your, your sight, like you said it initially after your, your, brain injury like colors like were like messing with you like so i'm wondering if like those kind of things like make you look at different like just make you look differently and that like i think it's kind of like how interesting is i mean in good or bad way i don't want to say but just how interesting it is that this like has shifted the way that you've kind of approached the world 
Like, you know what I mean? Like in multiple ways, obviously. Yeah, you had to. And and especially, you know, when you lose your taste and smell. And at the time I was working in a grocery store. And I remember standing in the grocery store and going, I can't taste or smell anything in this store. And so even as society, right, holidays, hey, let's go out, let's grab a drink, let's grab dinner. When people, you know, people get frustrated, well, what do you want, where do you want to eat? I'm like, don't ask me. (laughs) You still have cravings and stuff, right? But I don't satisfy it. So to me, I, you know, that was part of my depression of how do I relate in a world that is so focused around food and drink and I can't participate in that. I don't know what it tastes like. I don't, you know, and, and there's a lot of times my friends to this day will be like, how does it taste? I'm like, I, you know, I'll just answer. And they're like, I forgot you. Can. I'm like, well, who would remember that? You know what I mean? I'm an anomaly. I'm not like everybody else there, but it forced me to really look at the world and, and relate to people and situations in a, in a much different way than when anybody would realize. I never thought losing my taste and smell would be such a big part of my depression. Right. You know, growing up into, and, it, and it was, it was a significant part of, you start analyzing everything you eat. Like, why am I putting this dressing on my salad? I can't taste it. Like, why am I using ketchup? Right. I can't taste this. Right. So then it, it filters out to your relationships, you know, and your, and your social gatherings of understanding like, okay, maybe I can't, but now I'm visually paying attention to people more than so much the food we're eating or drinking. And, you know, I'm, I'm very tuned in now to, and what's interesting is, like you said, the colors bothered me because what I was learning was my brain was taking so long to, especially vibrant colors, right. to kind of process them. But now I love vibrant colors. Well, it's interesting. You know, it's, it's interesting because again, I'm like, I'm still, I'm thinking around like this idea. It's like, I, I'm a, also a painter. I don't know if you knew that, um, but yeah. I use, I take a lot of photographs as well, and my my work is basically based on like landscape and so i i live here on the east coast but the west really is inspiring to me like and i went out to an artist residency in wyoming i think it was 2004 and ever since then i've driven out west at least once a year last year i drove out west five times like chris and i own land up in montana and that which is like kind of a dream with the idea of starting an artist athlete residency there but this this thing in Wyoming, and this goes back to this color thing. So I remember like standing outside the studio out in this at this residency, and it's like that that dull kind of red clay of Wyoming. And the more you look at it, and or if it would rain, like you could literally see the grass grow. And to me, those dull colors just from continually looking at them started to vibrate. That is the reason why I use like fluorescent colors is because of like, it is kind of a product of paying attention or, or looking going back to what the, you know, the, this, what you're talking about. And so it's, it's, it's just really interesting to hear how you navigated the things you were dealing with and kind of, understand like that understanding and kind of shifting and, and your approach, I guess is, is a good way. It, it, it's, I don't know. It's just, it's kind of interesting, like how that's kind of evolved to me. Oh yeah. And nature played. I mean, I hear you. I'm a huge landscape person and I just spent two weeks at Yellowstone, one week in Yellowstone, one week in Grand Teton. And I had never been They, they were oh, on my bucket list. I'm going and Wyoming. I, yeah. 
Yep. Oh my God. Like the Tetons, I had such a profound, it was the first time camping by myself. And did you see any wolves in Yellowstone? What? Did you see any wolves in Yellowstone? Um, it was right after that Lamar Valley was still closed. Oh, flood. Yeah. I went there twice. So I went there in May this year, right before the flood. And then I went back in July after the flood, but I'm sorry to interrupt, but I'm hundred percent. I am addicted to photographing wolves. I'll send you some pictures. Like I'm like, I'm, I think I might go out there. Uh, my school has like Thanksgiving break the whole week off. And I'm like, I've never been to Yellowstone. I go to Yellowstone all the time, but I've never been there in the so-called winter winter, like may it still snows, but I've never been there when it's like winter. And I'm like, I just might do it because I just, it will be a completely different experience. Like, Oh, absolutely. And that, and that, and even being between the two parks, you know, I spent a week in Yellowstone and then a week in Tetons and it was the end of August, beginning of September. And so the Tetons for me just were just so, you know, standing at the lakes, even Stringer Lake and looking at the green and the blue. And, you know, like I took, I have so many photos from that, like so many that I can't even, I mean, you know, I'm starting to go through, but it was like, oh my God, like everybody's, you know, and I've had people, I've posted them on Facebook are like, you should make a calendar. Yeah. Like you should be selling some of your photos. <laughs> oh my God. That's amazing. Right. I, I, and that's something I've never done. I mean, so I'm trying I, to I literally just started my own Instagram photography page because I take, I, I probably have hundreds, hundred thousand photos in the last 20 years because every trip I'm on, like I'll be taking pictures driving down the road at 80 miles an hour. Please don't pull me over. <laughs> I mean, just like, dip, 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 dip. because to me, it's like that understanding of time and space. Like it's really, it's, it, it plays into my work, that vastness and, and, and understanding of space and how small we are in this place. Oh. You know, I just get fascinated you- by that. Yeah. And that's, and that, I think that was key in helping me in my healing. You know what I mean? Nature for me is very grounding. It's where I breathe. It's where, you know, so we were able to, like, we went out to Yellowstone, we were headed up to Mammoth. Nobody was going, like there was nobody, it was weird. It was, the the park was very empty, but you know, we had this huge bison jam with just the two of us. (laughs) There's nobody there. You know what I mean? And there's an, I have a video of this bison when my window down and he's like right there. And my friend was like freaked out. I'm like, we're okay. Like he just looked at me and went on, you know, and I have this picture where I grabbed one where the one stunk their tongue out at us. Yeah. It was, but it was, you know what I mean? So to be next to them and just be honoring them and that space and, That, I mean, I loved it. I, I Even my mom, when I was talking to her, she's like, you seem like you're just in love with the Tetons. Like, yep. Wyoming, and I'm like, Wyoming in general. And I wanted to make it up to Montana. That was my goal, was to go up to Bozeman, spend the night and come down. Yep. But because of the flooding, I never got to Montana. Yep. So I was like, oh. yeah. So I had yeah, to go on do the it. west side of Yellowstone. You'll do it. You'll do it. I mean, you know, like, I, it's, it, I agree there, like, that nature, nature is restorative, you know? It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's like art. Like they, they even say like, there's studies that I've read. It's not just the act of making art, but going to a museum and looking at art, but it's the same with yeah. going to nature, looking at nature, being in nature. Those things are restorative. Like, I think we need, we do need to get back to those kind of things that bring us back, like the, the positives and, and instead of the negatives, 
I mean, you know, it is like, it's, I, I'm glad you did that. That's awesome. So now we have more, no, we have more in common. That's greatness. Well, let well, me, I mean, it's my jam. You know yeah. what I mean? I had to, I had to go. Yep. Oh, totally. Well, let me like, maybe, you know, kind of wrapping, wrapping this up. Like what, what is like the goal for TBI thrivers? Like it's still kind of in its infancy, you know, like, um, but it feels like it has momentum and it feels like, you know, like you kind of really know what you're doing, but like, you know, what do you, where do you want this to go? I'm glad you say that. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to make learning. it up. Even if it's not, it's going well. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm learning, you know, I'm learning so much because, yeah. you know, being an entrepreneur and trying to figure out that all out, you know, I realized I don't you know, how do I, how do I do that? So I've you know taken courses and I'm trying to learn all that. And you know, where I wanted to go, and, and I'm kind of done that in the fact that I've just trained two of the two of them that have been a part of the group to facilitate. So I'm getting ready to launch a new mastermind, which is opening up for survivors who are ready for like the next level, right? They're like, okay, I've dealt with my brain injury because because I interviewed over 50 some survivors, right? I just research. Like, what are you what are you dealing with? What are you looking for that isn't out there? Like, what do you want? And, and I love just talking to them. You know what I mean? I can't tell you how many people said after the talk, like, just thank you for doing this. Yep. Like, just thank you. You know, and it's like, yeah, because I want to serve. I want to serve in the way that, you know, what is it you're needing? And the, and the thing that I came across and the theme was that people struggle with their fear of their self-confidence. And it's how do I now work with my brain injury and move on? right? Like, how do I create a business? How do I write a book? How do I get my finances in order? How do I, you know, basically I get how to do all the stuff with the brain. I get the meditation. I know all that now, but now how do I live in the world as this human brain, you know, unique brain, human being person. And so I've launched that. That's going to start. I've got a few signed up. I'm only taking six. So I'm trying to keep it small because that was the other thing I found out. Everybody's like, we like the smaller groups, the yep. smaller, more intimate. We like it better. Great. Well, they feel so that they're, goal, they feel like they're, they get that one-on-one a little bit more, I'm sure. Well, yeah. And they get to know each other better. Yep. Right. You yep. know what I mean? They, and like my group has, I mean, we've pretty much stayed between, I would say 10 and under, you know, people come and go and come in and out, but they've really formed this great community, which I love. So two of the survivors are now facilitating, which I wanted to do, train them to take over and kind of run that group, which is great. And then I can focus on this. And my goal eventually is to create a company that is run by survivors that hires survivors, because that's the other main issue is most brain injury survivors can't find work. And they feel like they have no purpose anymore because we associate everything with work because companies don't know how to deal with maybe their accommodations that they may need. It's not that they can't do it. Right. Right. I just may need to not have bright lights over my head, or I may need to take a few more breaks to do this, but they're more than capable of doing it. And I think that's the stigma right now that we fight so hard. So I'm trying to be that company to say, look, you can have a life and you can be, have a purpose and you can show up and understand that you're valued and you're seen for exactly who you are. That's, that's the long-term goal. I'm not there yet, but that's where I would like yeah, to take it and get it. That's a great ass goal, man. Like, and, and uh, like I, you know, it, it feels like you're motivated and it feels like you're, the trajectory is, is going that way. So just keep on keeping on. So, and you know, like I, I definitely appreciate what you're doing. I think it's, it's really meaningful and it's obviously like impactful and personal, you know, you, 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 you're, you're changing something that 
happened to you. And so it is like, you know, and that's, I think that's important to like, to create this platform that other people don't have to go through. I mean, you know, like not the brain injury part, but that the other parts of, of stuff that like, you just feel isolated. And, and so I think it's, I think it's really, really important, man. Like, and, and glad, glad that we connected on Instagram because and now, now we connected on our painting and <laughs> photography levels. Uh, and like I said, I, you know, I think we're going to be back out there during the Super Bowl, hopefully doing, um, a little pop-up exhibition and doing something with the NFL again. So, um, and then one last question that I always ask because I always put new music to each episode. What kind of music yeah. do you like? I either write it or like I used, I'm a singer. So I have some of my band's old stuff, but style it like we can't use other people's music um, unless <laughs> I get permission, but like stylistically, what kind of music? You know, I'm all over the place. Okay. It really just, I really am. Like, you know, lately I've been listening to jazz while cool. I'm working on stuff. Um, yeah. I love country music. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I, it depends on what my mood is and what vibe. And you probably get this as an artist, depending on what I put on it. Yep. Like, like there's a certain emotional vibe. And I'm, I mean, the only thing I would say I don't like is heavy metal screaming. <laughs> that I can't do. <laughs> Okay. What, what about know, Pearl, what about okay. like a Pearl Jam Soundgarden? Is that screaming? Well, yeah, okay. yeah. Okay. I mean, even Pearl Jam though. I like Pearl Jam. Yeah, yeah. No, you my my kind of music is like is like in a Soundgarden loud singing with a melody. So <laughs> yeah, as long as you get my you know as long I mean hey I went and saw Metallica and yeah. Guns and Roses okay. back. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, Me too. You know, as Me long too. as you can understand yeah. the music, yeah. it's yeah. fine. It's yeah. that screaming that yeah. it's like. I don't <laughs> yeah, I don't do that either. As a singer, I just I can't. I usually like the music, but it's the singing of the and it's like, come on, man. So I, it is what it is. What it is, you know. Everybody has their own thing and it's totally cool. We're all good with it. Yeah, that, right. Yeah. yeah, I'm not dissing it. I'm just saying for me, especially yeah. with a hearing aid. Oh, sure. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. If I, it blows it out. It's like, <laughs> I don't even I don't know what you're saying. <laughs> well, dude, like again, um, thank you. Like this is like, this is really cool. And, was, and again, I think it's like a really important episode just for the, you know, like the, the understanding and, and, and what you're doing at, just I think is really important, you know? And so I'll just say thank you to you. Um, and then like, I, um, I'll be sending you some, um, like videos and pictures snippets. And I think this is out in like three weeks, two, three weeks. So I'll give you a heads up with all that stuff. And, um, I just, you know, we're going to stay in touch. And like I said, I'll send you some, some of these pictures eventually that I took of wolves because I'm addicted. <laughs> <laughs> no, I would uh, trust me. I wish I could have seen the wolves. I mean, I saw the what do they call them? The wolf watchers or whatever. Oh yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. I saw them, but it was like the only place you could really see them was like Hayden Valley, and they were so yeah. far out that yeah. it was like. I see. I had honest. a I had a really cool thing in Hayden this year. I uh, was down like where there. You're talking about the ones that are up on that little ledge there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I was down further down the road, and there was like maybe 10 of us and we'd walked out in this field and then there was a group of four of them were out there and it was pretty close. And I got some really cool pictures of two of them, like crossing a Creek. So I'll send you those pictures. It was just yeah, wild. And then the, oh. the better one was the next day I went back to the same place and I was in this field by myself 
my dog is in my car. Of course, I, t- I always travel with my dog and I'm sitting out there just like hoping that they'll come back, you know, it was kind of stupid, but whatever. And then all of a sudden they started howling. And so I just took this video. I just took a video of them just of the nothing. I couldn't see anything, but I just took a right. video and just the, the sound of them howling was just like, it was magic. I got goosebumps, like staying in a field by myself, just in the middle of Yellowstone howling. Wolf. Like it was just like, Whoa, this is amazing. Just amazing. That's badass. So yeah, I didn't get to see it. Cause I have a wolf tattoo. Nice. Nice. On my hand. So, I mean, I wanted to see him, but it was like with you'll, the rain and everything like yeah. that, it was like, mm. you'll see him. You got to just got to go back. Just got to go back. I know. Well, dude, thank you. Um, like the, again, I'm really glad we connected. So look forward to, look Absolutely. forward to chatting. I appreciate more. it. So yeah, man. Cool. Cool. All right. If you, a- if you feel like it, and I don't know if you guys do this cause I have a YouTube channel for them for TBI thrivers. So I'm happy to share whatever on there and help you guys promote, okay. you know, and all yeah, yeah, yeah. Stuff. yeah, we don't, Let we're going to, we don't do any video yet. Um, like Dude, you should, yeah, no, I know we, we YouTube we, podcasting is like getting ready to take off. We, we have so many things like irons in the fire. I know. I it's, feel you. It's, and, <laughs> and, and, and we're going to like, it's just, you know, we're, we're over a hundred damn episodes, man. And it's like, it's wild. Like the people, like, again, to me, the coolest part is like, the people I get to meet, it's like just crazy how I, yes. I would never have met you like in that, you know, got, having these discussions, it's, I just feel lucky, you know, like. If, I know. Cause I want to start one for thrivers and people have asked. And again, that's another thing I'm trying to learn because yep. I'm just a one man show. Cause oh, I'm like, okay, we yeah. can, we can, we can chat. It's real simple to do this. So, um, and, okay. and, you know, maybe it's something if, if you're interested, we could put it under the abstract athlete umbrella and have, you know, we already have three other podcasts under our, well, two, I should say. We have the Abstract Doctors, um, we have the Abstract Veterans, and we used to do Tony Mandrich's, um, but he, he's kind of kind of stopped at this point. I don't know if he'll get back into it, but so we've, I've kind of, I've personally kind of produced or produced two other podcasts and produced a third for a minute. And, and then obviously I do this one. So it's a blast. Wow. So yeah, it's a yeah. lot. It's a lot. But it is fun because I realized talking to all these survivors, like I just love talking to people. Yep. You know what I mean? Like you said, you get to find so much and that would be just another avenue for people to be yep. inspired and see, you know, like, hey, I can move beyond this. Yep. So yeah, that'd yep. be awesome. Cool. All right, brother. We'll, we'll, we'll stay in touch. And like I said, I'll send you some stuff here soon. So, okay. Cool. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Be well. It. Enjoy the weather. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> right, Bye. Absolutely love that conversation with Beckett. He's such a good dude. Love the fact that we connected. Um, I think what he's doing with TBI Thrivers is really so important for so many reasons, but especially because it, it gives survivors a place to go and talk and to find information. Really just want to say thanks to Beckett for all that he's doing, but especially, you know, for him being so vulnerable in his personal recovery. Um, remember to go follow Beckett on Instagram at TBI Thrivers and go visit his website, tbithrivers.com. Stop by our website, theabstractathlete.com for information and news and check out our site also and Begin Again Toys for our new product line. Do not forget to stop by also and check out our other podcasts on the Abstract Athlete Network, the Abstract Doctors Podcast and the Abstract Veterans Podcast. 
Thank you for listening to the Abstract Athlete Podcast. We will see you next week. And as always, do not forget to exercise the body and do not forget to exercise the mind. Stay well out there.